Good morning and welcome to Denton North Church. It's good to see you guys' faces this morning. I want to start with um, a couple of announcements. First of all, the wind is going to be a little bit of a challenge um, speaker-wise this morning. It's also going to be a little bit of a challenge for me personally because um, it causes me to sneeze a lot. And I don't sneeze one time when I sneeze. So if that happens, just hang on for a minute. I'll be okay. Not going to die. And I'll get back with it. And so first announcement, make sure that you have October the 24th on your calendar. Um, we're going to have our leadership conference that day. It's going to be over Zoom, but we're going to encourage people to do that in small groups. And so basically what that's about is if you are a leader in Denton North Church, if you are interested in being a leader and want to learn more about leadership, um, that's what this conference is going to be about. And you'll have more details on that coming soon. But I want to make sure that you have that marked out on your calendar. Secondly, um, some of you know Joe. He's a member here at Denton North. Joe is at Denton Rehab. That's where he lives. And he has been on lockdown there since like early March. So he's not been able to have visitors. He's not been able to be out and about. And you can imagine that that's pretty difficult. His birthday is next weekend. And so Kurt brought a bunch of cards this morning. So if you would just take time to write him an encouraging, just happy birthday, thinking about you, we miss you, something like that. Um, he loves cards. So these will be super encouraging for him. And so I would just ask you to take time, look for somebody holding a card and sign those this morning. They have pens and you. we also have hand sanitizer over here. So you can sanitize your hands and then write on the card. And that way, hopefully, that'll be a safe, safe thing to do. Oh, sorry. The cards are up here on clipboards. I didn't realize that. So they're over here with the hand sanitizer on the clipboards. The building will be open each week for us to use the restrooms. Just know that those are going to close at 11. So kind of keep that in mind. And we want to be respectful of the people working there and their ability to leave and start cleaning up when they need to. You must wear a mask when you go inside and it's one at a time in the bathroom. So just be aware of that as well. I, it's hard for me to know in a crowd like this, like how many college students we have that are visiting on a given Sunday. And we haven't been super good about welcoming you guys. And so we just want you to know that if this is your first or second or third time here, um, we're glad you're here. The Denton North Church was started with college students in mind. And so you're really important to us. And we just wanna express that to you. We want you to know um, that we're here to help you, that we're here to answer any questions you have, to be family to you if you're away from your family. Um, so please feel free to introduce yourself Maybe you've introduced yourself before and we've forgotten. That's okay. Um, but we're really glad that you guys are here with us and you're really important to us. And then finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank our operations team. Um, I'm not going to name names because I will leave somebody out if I do. But we could not do what we've done over Zoom. We could not do what we're doing this morning 
if they didn't put in a lot of time and effort and nobody else really sees that except for us. And so I just wanted to publicly say thank you to them and acknowledge how much we appreciate what you do. So the sermon series that we're doing right now is Christianity, Community, and Character. And we're looking at who is Jesus, who is the community, who is the church, and who am I? And so right now we're focusing on who is Jesus. And as I tried to come up with a title for the sermon this morning, I could not come up with a title. I could not tie it all up in a nice, neat package to hand to you this morning with a great title that tells exactly what it's about. And I say that not because I don't want to say that to you out of like any kind of, oh, I'm so insecure about my sermon. I say that to you because I want you to know that Brad and I, the sermons are important to us. It's important to us to challenge you, to speak truth to you, to help you grow in your walk with Jesus, for you to know who Jesus really is so you can live for him. And that's a challenging task. And if I was going to um, base the success of that on the sermons that I preach, I would have quit a long time ago. Um, I want you to know that I trust the Holy Spirit to work in this, but that it is a challenge sometimes to try and give it to you in a way that you can actually digest it and use it. And so I would just say you're going to hear some of that this morning. You're going to hear some thoughts that aren't quite connected. They're a little bit scattered. And if you have questions afterwards, please feel free to seek me out and ask those. And we can talk about that further. But my prayer this morning is just that we're going to know a little better how to know Jesus. And we're going to know a little bit more about him and particularly this morning about friendship when we leave here. So my biggest thing from this morning is that we learn how to live from Jesus. And in answer to who is Jesus, my answer this morning is Jesus is real. Like he was a real person that we can really learn things from. And Jesus was and is a friend. He's not just Jesus as Savior. He's not just Jesus as God. He's not just Jesus as Trinity. Jesus is a friend. When my sis, well, I have two younger sisters. I have a sister that's two years younger than I am and a sister that's five years younger than I am. And when me and my sister Christy, who's two years younger than I am, were young, we had these imaginary friends and their names were Kama and Betty. I don't know where those names come from, but that's that's what they were. And we would swing with them and we would play with them. We would put bandage on their injuries when they fell down and got hurt. We would run races against them. We would get into arguments with them and apologize and make up. We would have birthday parties and we also took communion together and got baptized together. Um, but they were imaginary friends to us. They were friends that we just imagined in our mind. And it was part of thinking through and learning what it means to be a friend. Like it wasn't just about make-believe. Imagining is easy for a child, but as we age, 
that ability goes undeveloped. It's not that we lose the ability to do that. It's that we don't develop that ability. And imagining is simply the ability to form a mental image or to visualize that which is not currently visual. So it's, it's a visualization of something. It's based on knowledge. It's not based on just make-believe. It's based on what we already know. And so, for example, you might imagine that you're at the beach. You're going to base that on things that you know about the beach, even if you've never been there and all you've done is read about it. So I'm not talking about the kind of imagine we talk about when we're talking about just making things up, um, things that are just purely pretend. I'm talking about something that we base on facts that we already know. That's why I'm trying really hard not to use the word imagination, because I think that has a different connotation than imagining something. I think we associate that more with make-believe. So what does this have to do with our topic of who is Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked. While we don't talk much about the tool of imagining, theologians of the past, theologians like Augustine and Aquinas um, and the reformers, they had a lot to say about the subject. We've been doing a meditation lab um, for the month of August and September. And one of the instructions they gave us in that meditation lab was to think on the implications for God, for you, for our community, for our world, and try to get your imagination around the scripture. Try to imagine what that looked like, what that was like. Meditation on the Bible, including vivid imagining of what the scripture was describing, have always been important to understanding what it looks like to live out scripture. See, we tend to see Jesus as a story character, but he was a real person. He lived a real life. He was relatable. Yes, he spoke a different language. He lived in a different part of the world, in a different time, and a quite different culture. We don't relate to him because we don't think of him in real terms. We think of him in these story character terms. We don't try and visualize what his life looked like and how he handled situations. We just don't imagine. And we can learn a lot about Jesus from the Bible. Like we know he was a carpenter. We know he had friends. We know he wasn't married. But we didn't get to actually see his life. And we don't have detailed descriptions of every part of it. For example, how did he deal with a cranky customer in his work as a carpenter? What did it look like for him to have friends? How did he handle being lonely? What did Jesus think or feel about not getting married and not having biological children? We have to think through what we know about Jesus and imagine the answers to those questions if we're going to live life like Jesus did. How can we live like him if we never imagine how he handled, felt, and thought about some of the situations we deal with in our lives? Our faith calls us to imagine with truth that we know about Jesus. And when our imagination is biblically developed, 
we start to see people and things the way God sees them. Logic, this is a quote I ran across that I thought was so powerful. Logic may change our mind, but it's the interaction between imagination and faith that changes our life. Logic may change our mind, but it's the interaction between imagination and faith that change our life. So a warning, imaginations are fallen, like a lot of things in our world. And so we can sin with our imagination. So one of the things I would say is be careful not to imagine that Jesus thinks and feels about things the same way you do. Like, don't put your stuff on Jesus. So, for instance, and if you haven't seen these movies, this reference is going to mean nothing to you. But Jesus was not Coach Boone. He was not the zero fun kind of person. On the same, at, at the same time, he was also not the inebriated elf dancing on the mailroom table. So don't, wherever you fall in that, the zero fun person or the dancing drunkenly on the mailroom table person, Jesus is not those things, okay? And so we need to be careful to use what we know about him so that we can imagine accurately how Jesus handled things. So what I would say is compare your thoughts and feelings to scripture. Ask other people what they think and pray and ask God to teach you when you're imagining. Last week in Brad's sermon, he talked about syncretism, the blending of religious ideas. And he made the statement, it's easier to add Jesus onto our life than make him the alternative. And then he asked the question, do our friendships look like Jesus? And so what I want us to do this morning is I want to take this idea of imagining to think through what Jesus' friendships looked like to answer the question, what kind of friend was Jesus? Some of you know that several weeks ago on Zoom, we broke up into groups to talk about ideas for this sermon series, and we broke it up into who is Jesus and who am I and who is community, and we talked about those different things. The group that I was in that morning was Who is Jesus? And we talked about some different ideas. And this idea of imagining and thought exercises came from Kevin Tadlachka. And so I asked Kevin to share just briefly this morning um, about this idea. I asked him to share um, an example of how he would do this and why he thinks this is helpful and important. So, Kevin, if you'll come on up. Hi, I'm Kevin Tidlochka. Yeah, so, uh, you know, this is something that I think, I think I started doing this kind of thing. Brad made this like comment in almost like a throwaway comment in passing one time, I think in a sermon, something about how like he was speculating about Jesus's choice of friends and how, it, you know, given, you know, a, a choice, if the world didn't depend on his life, like who maybe who would he have wanted to spend time with? And he kind of pointed out that, John the Baptist probably was one of the best candidates because, you know, he's a prophet. He also was similarly misunderstood and kind of lived this, you know, lifestyle that was pretty different from his peers and things. And I just was really struck by that. I was like, yeah, I never really thought about that. And so I started trying to imagine 
you know, kind of like reading between the lines, like Leslie was saying, uh, in an informed truth based way from what we do know about Jesus in scripture. Um, and so when she asked me to share some of my thoughts from when I, I had been doing that, um, here's some of the stuff that I came up with but before I tell you those things. I just wanted to reiterate what she also said. I think that imagining, um, conducting thought exercises or, or just interacting with art in general and in particular is, is incredibly important for us and, and especially for believers. Um, those things all force us to encounter new ideas. They kind of force us to uh, lift our heads up from our daily rhythms and perspectives and see from a different point of view. Um, and art in particular, it it gives us an opportunity to share in other people's experiences in ways that are very difficult to do without that medium. Um, and so I, I just think all that is, is particularly important. You know, you can kind of run simulations in a really safe way about what if the world was like this or what if I was like this um, with there being like very little risk and you don't have to try and set up that whole environment. Um, and, and the Lord can really grow us in, in, in ways that are hard to do apart from those things. So I, I tried to really imagine Jesus like pre before his public ministry started, just because we know so much about, and I'm constantly kind of thinking about Jesus as, you know, 30 plus year old Jesus on mission um, for God as, as a kind of a traveling, you know, teacher of, of that time period really. And, and so, you know, I kind of tried to think about this as what would it have been like to be, you know, I'm 31, I think now. And, uh, you know, so roughly similar age at the time we have a lot of information about in scripture. And so my, the setting, I kind of like projected my biblical understanding of Jesus into, and tried to join that with my personal life was like Jesus as my physical neighbor, who we come to develop a real and close friendship with, like, like we live next to each other. He's a carpenter and I'm just doing my normal Kevin life thing. So that was kind of my my setting for these sort of things. And so I kind of played out like both of our normal life, you know, so he's in this state where he is, he he's the son of God and he knows this and he's waiting and he's waiting and preparing to basically receive this call to begin his public ministry. So that's kind of where he is and I'm doing my normal stuff. And I, you know, there were a lot of really sweet and kind of revelatory things that kind of came out of that. But two of the things I wanted to share with you guys this morning um, were just, I think that and this one's not like a, a surprise. It's kind of a no brainer, but I think that Jesus would have been constantly disruptive to me in my life. And uh, like I said, kind of a no brainer, but it's, it's, it's really different when you actually like imagine it versus just kind of pay that idea lip service by confessing it or saying it verbally. It's like, yeah, you know, Jesus was like constantly pushing the status quo of the day, but like sitting there and like playing that out in, a, in an actual relationship and a friendship, it, it does kind of give you this opportunity where your heart actually might be moved or changed. And so I just think it would have been hard to consistently be comfortable with Jesus as a friend. And, and for me in particular, I don't like when my cheese gets moved. Uh, and Brittany does this a lot, my wife, and, and she's like Jesus in a lot of these ways. Um, I, you know, I want to have discrete, well-defined boxes for everything I think and I believe, and I want those things to be packaged and understandable and, and ideally also stay inside those boxes, you know, not cross over and sort of things so I can understand and have like rigid expectations for the world. And I, I think that he just, he just would have had all these new ideas that challenged those things, uh, and kind of pushed around my nice, calm, little status quo life, uh, that I kind of developed for my own comfort. And, you know, I think we'd maybe experience the same situation together or have an interaction with another person. I just kind of like move on because I'm trying to accomplish some task or something. 
And I think he would also you know, be capable of accomplishing tasks. But I think he'd then consider and kind of want to pause and, and reflect or think about that, you know, kind of talk about some of the things he observed maybe about that person um, because he was looking for them, because he cared, because he was doing things. And so I'd like even those little moments like that, I think would have been disruptive because I want to go do the next things. And I think he would have, I think she's sad because I'm talking up here. That's my daughter. And, uh, but, but I think it's like little things like that, I think would have kind of derailed me. And I think just in general, you know, I don't like my cheesy good move. I said, I think he just kind of every week or two would have kind of taken that and kind of locked eyes with me and just like punted it. That's kind of the, the feeling I get. And Two, I think in our conversations, I think a lot of the ideas he presented just would have been super challenging and pretty exhausting for me to interact with. You know, I'm like, oh, do we have to talk about why maybe the law is like not enough for us? You know, I'm like, it's so easy and good to remember. It's all these rules. I like that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, and he kind of constantly would have been thinking about the heart of God and what God is intending to do with his people to to save and bring humanity back together to be unified with him. So I think he would have been pretty disruptive to my life. And the second thing is, it's kind of about content. So relationships and friendships are primarily developed and built through shared experiences and communication by conversation, by talking, that sort of thing. And so I really tried to think about and project and imagine um, that dust is real. What, what the content and kind of the, wow. Yeah, no, it's like a dust storm over here. What, what the meat of our friendship would have looked like, what would we have been doing, what kind of stuff would we have been doing and talking about together. And man, I, you know, for Jesus, God was the center of everything. He was constantly looking for what his father was doing, looking for his father's hand in everything and preparing to either come alongside or further or respond to that so much more than I am. Um, I think he would have, I think, I think his approach to fun uh, refreshing, fun, entertainment, that whole kind of sphere thing would have been surprising to me in many ways. I think that he probably would have had a lot more of it than I think he would have. But I also think it would have looked a lot different than I think it would have or should. Um, and so that one is in particular, you know, there are a lot of details in there. I think that he would have enjoyed nature a lot. I think he would have enjoyed people a lot. And I think he would have just sort of enjoyed both of those being God's creation, interacting with and engaging with both of those things. And it would have been really fun for him. Um, but maybe less on like the total veg outside and more on like the fun and entertaining side that really is almost an act of worship where you're inter engaging with God's creation and his people in meaningful ways. Um, but then kind of the last thing that I, I was really kind of, it was kind of sweet to me was that I think, and this is one of my, I think biggest takeaways about just this whole exercise with him. I think that in our relationship, that he would have wanted us to rest, refresh and meditate and pray, just generally spend time with God, like together, like me and him together a lot, like far more often than I, I mean, just way more often than I do with any of my friends. Um, now, I think that just would have been a common activity of ours that he constantly would have been like, Hey man, like, man, let's just, like, let's pray. Like, we really need to like see God to this or like, hey, here's this new idea. Let's chew on. Like, let's bring us before the Lord and intercede and, and ask for revelation for this, for insight, you know, and just or, or just be in his, you know, creation, worshiping him in some way. And I just think that those moments it, in the beginning would have been 
I could have been like, you know, I think I would have started out in the early years of our friendship kind of being like, oh, like, okay, this is what Jesus wants to do. Like, okay, let's do it. It's kind of like inconvenient or I think it's kind of boring, that sort of thing. But I really think that over time, you know, three, five, 10 years down the road, those parts of our friendship um, in those moments would have been something that would have grown to become our sweetest and my personally most cherished times together, not just with him as a friend, but with, with God as well. Um, and it's something that I think I ultimately over, you know, years would begin to really deeply look forward to and desire. And then also want in all of my other friendships as well. Um, and that those times would have been just incredibly refreshing. And so those are some of the things that I experienced ultimately in the thought exercises I was having with Jesus as my legit physical bodied friend. And so I hope that you guys gain some insight into, um, in your own hearts and minds as you imagine your own lives with Jesus as a friend. That's all. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Kevin. That's really helpful. And just so you guys know, I didn't come back up here to hurry Kevin along, but my um, stand up here was going all crazy and I was like, it's going to fall over. So I just came up here to hold it down. So I just want to share a couple of things with you. Um, one is, First from scripture, what I think uh, friendship looked like for Jesus. And then the second one is I just want to share with you um, kind of how I imagined through what friendship with Jesus looked like. So first, um, I think that Jesus was a friend who thought more about what he could give than what he could get. And second, Jesus was a friend who did what was best and not what was easiest. And so I want to read from John 15, 12 through 15. Um, a lot of uh, theologians refer to this as the theology of friendship. It's what Jesus had to say. And he said this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And what was his commandment? It was to love one another as he's loved us. So we are his friends if we love one another as he's loved us. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've come to call you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. So through friendship, we come to know God. And through friendship, we enact the love that he has for us. So Jesus was a friend for what he could give, not what he could get. Love as I have loved you, he said. And these might be some of the most radical words of the gospel because it claims that the love Jesus had for us is possible for us to have for others. It's not just something Jesus could do. It's something all of us can do. It's possible for all of us to love like that. We can replicate that as his followers. And how had he loved them? He thought more about what he could give than what he could get. He laid down his life for them. And we should learn from Jesus that the heart of friendship is not the desire to have friends. The heart of friendship is the desire to be a friend to others. And so my question is, is this the way you approach friendship? Is this the way you approach friendship? Do you choose friends 
based on if they're going to be easy for you to be with, if they're going to listen to you, if they're going to enjoy the same activities and stories and movies as you do, or do you choose friends based on who you think needs a friend? Do you choose friends based on the leading of God in your life? If we didn't just add Jesus into our version of friendship, that we made his version our, our alternative, then we would be seeking out friend, people who need friends for our friendships. And I want to accomplish two things by making that point. The first one is that I want that to be a reminder and I want it to be an encouragement. Because when I look in our body, I see a lot of this kind of friendship. I see a lot of friendship that's based on what you can give and not what you can get. And so I want you to remember why you choose to do that. I want you to remember that that's important. I want you to remember that that's what Jesus did and that that changed lives, that it brought that life that we talked about last week, that life to the full, being a friend like that. But I also want it to challenge us because at any point in time, any of us can be at the place where we've gotten away from that, where we've become way more selfish in our friendships. And we've looked at friendship more for this person's not giving me what I need. This person is not doing for me. I'm the one giving all. We can all get to that point. And so I want us to be challenged that we want to have friendships like Jesus. We don't sometimes want to be too inconvenienced, and I am so guilty sometimes. We don't want to be too inconvenienced in our friendships, and so we need to refocus. We need to be challenged with Jesus's example that godly friendship requires laying down our lives for our friends. And then I know that there's kind of this weird application of this sometimes of, we should be looking for friendships only where we can get nothing back from them. But that would be a really strange application of this because we all need to be seeking to be godly friends. And if we are, then we're all looking at what we can give rather than what we can get. And so there should be some giving from both sides in a friendship. Just by virtue of being friends like Jesus was, we will get something back, but that's not our goal. Our goal is not to go into friendship for what we can get from it. But we should expect that we're going to get something. But even if we don't, we're still going to be a friend who gives. We only have to look as far as Judas to see that in Jesus's life that Jesus knew Judas would betray him. And yet he loved him just like he loved his other friends. He included him in his circle of friends. He didn't put him out because of that. That what counts most is the expression of God's love to our friends, not the people that we're giving it to. So that's an example of where Jesus gave in his friendship, not expecting anything in return. But he also had friendships that he got a lot from. 
You look at his friendship with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and Jesus received support from them. He received encouragement. He received hospitality because they were loving in the same example that he did. The second thing is Jesus did what was best and not what was easiest. Another way, um, or actually maybe a more specific way that I think of that is he spoke plainly and honestly to his friends. And that's a different kind of plain speaking than we mean when we say that we're going to tell somebody what they need to hear or we're going to speak our mind to somebody. See, those instances are the opposite of what Jesus' friendship was like because they're based on what he talks about in that scripture, that master-servant relationship. Um, the speaker of truth positions themselves above the other person and speaks down to them. And Jesus had replaced that model with a model of friendship. So Jesus speaks to us as if he's on our side, because he is. He doesn't put us in our place, but he speaks what's best for us. So rather than telling us how it is, he shares with us out of love what will be best for us. And it's a type of relationship that's transformative. We're transformed by his plain and honest speaking. Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And so just this idea of speaking plainly and honestly to our friends and there's a lot of safety in friends who will speak plainly and honestly to you. Um, I had a dear friend that was a lot older than I was. Her name was Danny. And Danny had a gift from, for speaking plainly and speaking truthfully. And she would say things like, wow, you really look tired today. And she would say things like, oh, those colors don't really look too good on you. But she would also say, I know you were mad. But what you said to her was mean, and you really owe her an apology. And she would say things like, I think you can do better than that. I think you were kind of being lazy there. And there's a lot of safety in that. I never wondered what she thought about me. I never wondered how she felt about me. I was able to confront the weaknesses that I have. She called me out on those. And I could grow in them because she didn't let me just get by with things and not say anything about them. She spoke plainly and truthfully to me. And that's true friendship. That's the kind of friendship that Jesus, that's the kind of friend Jesus was to people. We've been changed by Jesus' plain and honest speaking. And this transformation is what lies at the heart of Christian friendship. I ran across a quote that said, the chief want in life is somebody who shall make us do the best we can. And that's what Jesus does for us. He makes us do the best we can. And that's what we do for our friends is we make them do the best we can by speaking plainly. I think another aspect of thinking of speaking plainly is vulnerability. Just sharing about your life with another person without candy coating it, without making yourself look good. But being honest with people, being honest with your friends, being this kind of friend who's more concerned about getting and who speaks the truth plainly, quite frankly, is risky. But Jesus said he is our friend. And so the basis for being a friend 
is that Jesus has been a friend to us. And because of that, we can risk being friends to others. I say that as a kind of a truth background for the, um, for the imagining that I want to share with you about this. I'm going to base this um, off of the example of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' friendship with Jesus. And mine is going to be a little different from Kevin's in that uh, mine is based off just what that relationship might have looked like in pretty real terms. And so Mark 10, 38 through 42 says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or only indeed one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So when I read that, I know that Mary, Martha and Jesus and Lazarus were friends, but that little scripture right there says a lot in it but it doesn't say it in a way that I relate to friendship. And so this is just kind of a story that I imagined in order to make that friendship more real to me and more practical so that I can wrap my brain around how I would be a friend like Jesus was. And so I imagine, well, first of all, um, it says in John eleven five 5, that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So I know that he loved them and they were friends. And it seems that their house was a place that he stopped frequently. You read that throughout scripture. And one commentary said, we cannot understand how much the Bethany home, which is where they lived, was to Jesus with its confidence, its warmth, its shelter, its tender affection. So all of those things play into what I'm going to share with you. So I imagine the three of them sitting around talking and laughing. And Lazarus says, dude, do you remember the time you came to our house and Mary and Martha went off on Mary? I did not go off on her, Lazarus. I was just a little annoyed, said Martha. A little annoyed, Jesus chuckled. Come on, Martha. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me, mimicked Mary. They all laughed. Jesus, you know it had been a while since we'd seen you, and I was so excited to have you and the disciples at the house. I wanted everything to be perfect, and that takes a lot of work. Martha, you know I always enjoy being at your house. You are the best hostess in all of Bethany. Make that in all of Judea. Being here is so restful and your food is delicious. Thank you, said Martha, blushing a little at his compliment. I really was so mad at Mary that day. But as you always do, you corrected me in that sweet, gentle, but direct way you have. You don't let me get by with anything. And I appreciate that. I know what you mean, Martha. He wouldn't even let me stay dead, Lazarus said with a smirk. Lazarus, that was not funny, replied Mary. Thank you for giving him back to us, Jesus. 
All of you have been great friends to me. Being able to just drop in at any time for a meal and a place to sleep, having a place to bring others and know they will be welcomed and treated special means a lot to me. Your friendship is a safe place. This is a safe place. He stops for a minute and then quips, except for that one time when there was a ghost running around and they all laugh. I want it to be noted that when I originally wrote this story, instead of Lazarus calling Jesus dude, he called him bruh. But I couldn't say that without laughing and feeling absolutely ridiculous, so I had to change it a little bit. But yeah, I just think that that's what helps me really understand what it was like for Jesus to have friendship. I know that's colored some by my culture and my idea of what friendship looks like, but I also think it's grounded in truth. And I'm not going to explain the lessons of friendship in that little story, um, but rather what I hope it does is that it spurs you on. (laughs) I can't get out of the wind, sorry. That it spurs you on to spend time thinking and imagining for yourself. And that through that process, the Holy Spirit will teach you what it means to be a friend like Jesus. Jesus is our example of how to live. And we should want to learn from his life. And imagining with the truth that we know about him is one way that we learn what it looks like to live like him. Jesus had friends like we do. And he thought about what he could give way more than he could get from friendship. He also spoke plainly to help his friends grow to be better. And I pray that those same kinds of friends, I pray that we will be those same kinds of friends. And that as we are, we can bring life and transformation to our world, just like Jesus does. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together today, The thought I want us to dwell on is that thought in that first scripture I read, John 15, 14, where Jesus says, you are my friends. You are my friends. It's only through Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection that we can be reconciled to him and that he call us friends. So that is good news. And that is one of the things we celebrate as we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. We celebrate what a friend we have in Jesus. I hope that as we're taking communion together this morning, that you'll take some time to tell somebody here today how you see Jesus in their friendship. And more importantly, I hope you'll take some time this week to tell some people that have been Jesus to you in your friendship with them, how much that means to you and how much you've grown from that, and how much you appreciate that. Is there anybody that still needs a communion cup before we do that? If you'll raise your hand and keep it up until Tony gets to you, he'll bring those around. And Don, why don't you go ahead and come up and uh, do our prayer while we're waiting on that, and then I'll break us out. So good to see you guys. This is so cool. You know, Zoom is only so much on your little phone. You know, it's like, where's everybody? It's good to see everybody. Uh, Joe, birthday cards, don't forget, fill those out. Uh, We did get a thank you note from the facility where Joe is staying. Apparently, we sent them some 
Torchy's Treats, and they signed it. They were really appreciative of it. And kind of the backstory to this, uh, if you don't know who Joe is, Joe's been with us for a bunch of years now. Joe was Tony's neighbor, and Tony would bring him to church. And we got to know Joe really well through that. And uh, then Joe had some serious accidents and some falls, and he really needed to get some, you know, better dedicated treatment. So he was eventually taken in by this facility. And this was a big prayer thing for us, because in talking with Kurt uh, and Tony, you know, it's like, this, this is a guy with no family. We are his family. And we wanted him to be taken care of. And, you know, nursing homes, I hate to say it, don't have the best reputation out there. So to be able to find a facility like this that truly cares for Joe, they have a, a vested interest in him. And then to, for us to do something special for them and then for them to say, thank you. That was, that was really special. So that means a lot. So please take some time to fill that out for Joe. I know he would really appreciate that. So um, Leslie stole some of my thoughts for what I was thinking today and how crazy this world is right now uh, from COVID to politics to just about everything in the world. It's just been on my mind. What, what can I say to you? What can God say to us to get through this? And the thought came to me is there's a story of John the Apostle in his older years. Uh, all he would say to his disciples was, little children, love one another. And that was his message. And here's a guy who we just read about that was heavily influenced by Jesus. He knew what love was. He knew the power of love, loving one another. And when you find yourself in that funk of, oh my gosh, what else could go wrong in this world? Stop and think about love one another. Let's focus on that because that really is everything. We can love one another. So let's go ahead and spend some time in prayer. Uh, before I do go, a couple of prayer requests. David Woods is having back surgery sometime in October. We don't know for sure, but be praying about that. And then Ashley and Pedro Zambrano have actually, uh, he's been accepted into school in Scotland. They're going to be leaving for Scotland in October. So let's be praying for them as they travel, as they face some new adventures together academically and spiritually. New couple, you know, off to Scotland. There we go. Well, let's pray. Uh, God, thank you so much for loving us like you do. Uh, thank you for Jesus and just the great example we have to follow and just simply loving one another. Help us to see that as, a, as an important part of our life uh, as we face challenges uh, in our world, uh, just to love one another. Uh, we lift up David and Darby and his upcoming surgery. We just pray that that will bring him relief. Uh, and comfort. Uh, we do pray for Ashley and Pedro as they travel, keep them safe, and uh, just thanks for this opportunity that's been provided to them. And Father, we lift up Joe. Uh, it's It's been hard for him to be away from us, I'm sure, uh, to be kept there at the facility, but thank you for providing a place that truly loves him and cares for him, uh, even though we can't be there in person as much as we would like. But just thanks for that. But thank you for this time where we can commune together, where we can share in the blood and the body of Christ. Just thank you for his sacrifice, for his 
a willingness to be that sacrifice for us, uh, giving us the gift of forgiveness, grace, and eternal life. We pray all this through Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.